Good morning. Well, new series called When the Spirit Comes, and we are covering the topics which are on these wonderful banners. Uh, Witness, spirit baptism, water baptism, community, healing, prayer, miracles, and numerical increase. And uh, many of the groups will be following this series, so it's uh, really worth joining a group if you want to get the most out of this series. Uh, And they'll be looking at these topics as we go through the next eight weeks. Also, on Wednesday, the 4th of May, we'll be gathering together in this room for a church-wide celebration. Uh, There'll be lots of worship, but there'll also be uh, just plenty of time to engage with the Holy Spirit and to just uh, draw more from the Holy Spirit on that occasion as well. So put that date in your diary, the 4th of May, and uh, join us here on that evening. It'll be a really good evening. So the book of Acts was obviously written by Luke, um, who is really continuing on from his gospel. And this particular book contains some of the most dynamic stories about God's work in and through the new church. And so my title today is When the Spirit Comes and Witness, the first one there. And we'll be looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8 in a few moments. But I want to read a story, first of all, from a book by John Wimber called Power Evangelism. In the summer of 1967, a young man called Scott attended a student's retreat at Arrowhead Springs, California. Scott's spiritual life had recently stalled. He was looking for more from God, something to empower his life and give a clearer purpose. The theme of the conference was personal evangelism. And towards the end of the week, the students were to be transported on buses to local beaches, where two by two they would be put into action the things that they had taught. Scott was apprehensive about going out. The idea of confronting complete strangers with a planned presentation became more frightening as the week progressed. The evening before they went out, Dr. William Bright presented teaching about the Holy Spirit. His points were very simple. We cannot successfully live the Christian life in our own strength. The Father has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. We are commanded in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For years, Scott had been taught not to focus on the Holy Spirit lest he weaken his relationship with Christ or fall into the excesses of the Pentecostals. This could be dangerous, leading to a possible deceit by the devil or even speaking in tongues. Besides, he'd heard many times, our primary purpose should be to fulfill the Great Commission. An emphasis on the Holy Spirit might detract us from this important task. But Dr. Bright's talk stirred Scott deeply, allaying many of his fears. Dr. Bright said that only through the power of the Holy Spirit could we fulfill the Great Commission. Perhaps, Scott mused, this is the key to the refreshing I seek. That night, Scott could hardly sleep. He sensed God calling him to open his heart fully to the Holy Spirit. So he slipped out of bed, dressed, and found a quiet place in the hotel grounds. He began to pray, Holy Spirit, 
I've been living in my own strength for too long. Now I yield every part of my life to you. Come and fill me. He then felt a rush of power over his body, a warm, tingling feeling, and with it a peace and a desire to worship God. As soon as he began worshipping, he was speaking in tongues. And after worshipping for an hour, he opened his Bible and began to read and read and read. Scripture came alive. The Word of God leapt off the pages. The next day, as they boarded the buses to the beach, the gospel was burning in his heart. Scott and Jim first approached two teenage boys, asking if they wouldn't mind participating in a religious survey. Soon they were talking about Jesus. Two girls joined in the conversation, and then another three boys. Scott quickly put the four spiritual laws aside. As he spoke, God gave him insights into their problems. He spoke about God's love and righteousness that made a way into their hearts. And Jim stood by, astonished. Within 30 minutes, several of the teenagers were weeping, falling on their knees, repenting from their sin, and turning to Christ. Before the day was over, at least a dozen young people had made Christian commitments. Now that story just neatly summarizes what I want to talk about today. The Holy Spirit made an enormous difference in Scott's life on that occasion. And that is precisely what Jesus teaches us in Acts chapter 1. So we're going to read Acts 1, 1 to 8. Uh, You can follow it in your Bibles or it will come up on the screen. But Luke writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So one of the effects of the Holy Spirit coming on the disciples was that they spoke the word of God boldly. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit equipped them to preach the gospel. There was this uh, impartation of power to witness for, for Christ. Now, in the early 1960s, in what was called the charismatic renewal in this country... Uh, There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on many of the established denominational churches. Um, The Pentecostals had been there for decades before that, but now the uh, denominations, the main denominations, discovered more about the Holy Spirit. And much was written and spoken about uh, the gift of tongues and spiritual gifts 
And uh, it seemingly, it seemed like the gift of tongues particularly was quite controversial. And so much was written about that. But if we think that the Holy Spirit was just poured out so that people could speak in tongues, I think we're, we're missing the main thrust of the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit has been poured out so that people might be able to proclaim the word of God boldly. It wasn't as if God thought on the day of Pentecost, he thought, he looked ahead and thought, you know, I'm going to have to sit through millions and millions of boring church services. And so maybe if I just pour out my Holy Spirit and enable them to speak in tongues, we can have a a little bit more lively times in worship. Uh, People can speak in tongues, some can prophesy, some can bring pictures, and it will kind of spice it up a bit. So, you know, no, God didn't pour out his Holy Spirit for that reason. He poured out the Holy Spirit to help and enable his disciples to fulfill the Great Commission. So these disciples... Uh, were told by Jesus that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a very well-known preacher here in London, very influential, pointed out that the relationship between the anointing of the Holy Spirit and evangelism is striking. He writes this, he says, Go through Acts, and in every instance where we are told either that the Spirit came upon these men or they were filled with the Spirit, you will find that it was in order to bear witness and a testimony. And he's right. As you work through the book of Acts, you find again and again that the Spirit comes on people, and one of the first things that happens is that they share the good news. So obviously in Acts chapter 2, when on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit is poured out on all of those people, uh, Peter stands up and preaches to thousands of people in Jerusalem, and thousands responded. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John uh, healed a beggar, and then they preached to the crowd on the back of the healing. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are up before the Sanhedrin. They're in trouble with the Sanhedrin, who were the religious authorities. And then in verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, And he goes on to rebuke them and confront them over what they have done to Jesus uh, by crucifying him. And then he unpacks the gospel message. Again in Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, uh, the believers are together, praying together. And they are praying for boldness to speak the gospel and for power to do signs and wonders and for healing. So that people would be pointed towards who Christ truly is. Acts chapter 5, we find that the apostles heal many people. Uh, The sick were brought to their meetings in Solomon's colonnades from all the towns around Jerusalem. And as a result, more and more people join the believers. In Acts chapter 5, later on, we find the apostles were arrested and imprisoned. And then an angel sets them free. And instead of going home and shutting themselves away for a while and sort of allowing everything to settle down, they go back into the middle of Jerusalem, into the temple courts, and they start preaching the good news again. Then they're arrested again, and they're flogged, and then they're released. But at the end of that chapter, in verse 41 and 42, they go from door to door, from house to house, proclaiming and teaching the good news. It says they didn't stop preaching and proclaiming the good news. So rather than retreating and thinking, well, we better let this uh, sort of calm down, keep our heads down for a while, go back into our locked rooms. No, they were out there proclaiming the good news. The power of the Holy Spirit was enabling them to be bold in their witness. 
in Acts chapter 6 and verse 5, we're told that Stephen is a man full of the Holy Spirit. And then in uh, Acts chapter 7, he preaches boldly to the Sanhedrin before eventually he's martyred. Acts chapter 8, we read that the believers were scattered and it says they preached the word wherever they went. Again and again and again, as you go through Acts, you find this correlation, this connection between being filled with the Spirit and proclaiming the Word of God boldly. And so the overarching message of Acts has to be that every believer needs the power of the Holy Spirit in order to effectively share their faith. It is essential that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, not just once years ago, but continually filled with the Holy Spirit uh, in order to share our faith effectively. If we are not Spirit-filled ongoingly, then this job called the Great Commission is going to take a lot longer to fulfill. And so let's not rest on an experience we had many years ago when we kind of met with the Holy Spirit. Let's continue to be filled each and every day. In the story I read earlier, Scott had spent the whole week learning how to present the gospel. But as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, he kind of abandons his prepared patter and he just went with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So rather than sticking to the evangelistic formula he'd been taught, he just allowed God to guide his words. And he saw people's hearts and minds opened up to the message of salvation. Now, sometimes I wonder if we get a little bit paralyzed when we we feel, oh, I've got an opportunity to share my faith here, but we get a bit nervous about it because we think, if I start to say what I'm trying to say, will I get stuck somewhere and forget the next bit of it or, you know, get confused and won't be able to remember that verse that's been so helpful? Uh, And we, we can get a little bit paralyzed. But when the Spirit comes, as it says in Acts 2.11, uh, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came down on people, and then it says immediately, they declared the wonders of God. And when, the, when you're full of the Spirit, you can't help but declare something of the wonders of God. You can't help telling other people what God has done for you. And I think so often our, sh- our sharing of our faith needs to be uh, touching people's hearts, not just their minds. And so, you know, the bridge to life illustration or four spiritual laws or whatever it is that's a model to share our faith uh, are really good and really helpful. But sometimes we also need to just to go with what the Spirit is doing and uh, go with that prompting and allow him to speak in and through us. Now, it would be easy for us to assume that the disciples, these disciples are just different from us. I mean, they'd been with Jesus. They'd been with him for three years. They'd seen the miracles. They'd heard his teaching. They are now coming to terms with this idea that he's actually risen from the dead. So the disciples must be in a very different place to us in our modern day context. But I want to suggest that they were exactly the same as us. Very much like us. Hesitant about sharing their faith. I'm sure that uh, we've all seen these uh, before and after slimming adverts. You know, we went to Weight Watchers, we used to look like this, now we look like this. Let's have a look at this picture here. There's a couple uh, who, you know, before and after, very difficult to believe that that's the same couple. I mean, really impressive. That is not my wife and I, but that's uh, some couple that have posted that up on, on the internet. But what an impressive transformation. And it was as big a transformation that the disciples went through with the before and the after. Because before the Spirit came, they were locked away in a room, uh, as it says in John 20, verse 19. 
on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Similarly, in verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, They've seen Jesus crucified, they've seen him risen from the dead, but they are still very, very nervous. They're in locked rooms. And uh, this story is remarkable in in, in the sense that Jesus is able, because he's he's got a resurrection body, he's able to walk into locked rooms. That's that's not something we can do yet, but one day uh, you'll have a resurrection body too, and that will be fun, going into rooms which are locked. But the main point of these verses is that they were very nervous. They were frightened. They, Jesus had been executed. Yes, he'd risen from the dead. But they knew that if they proclaimed this gospel message, they would probably get arrested. They would probably get flogged. They might get executed. They were locked away. And for many of us, we feel more like the disciples in the before scenario than we do after the Spirit came. Uh, because we uh, like to sort of feel, well, we're, we're happy in this sort of locked environment, this, this safe environment of church, but we, we don't feel so comfortable when we're uh, asked to give an account for our faith. And so despite the fact that these disciples had been with Jesus for three years, and despite the fact that something absolutely unique and miraculous had happened in the resurrection, they are still very terrified and bewildered. And yet, a few days later, when the day of Pentecost comes, they are totally transformed. They they are about to turn the world upside down. They are about to kick off this incredible worldwide faith movement. What changed them from being really nervous to being really bold? Quite simply, the power of the Holy Spirit. That was the difference between the before and the after. And Jesus had said to them before Acts chapter 2 and chapter 1 verse 8, He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I can imagine that many of those disciples in that locked room when he's saying that are thinking, how on earth are we going to become that kind of people? Because we're very nervous. We we don't want to talk about this to anybody. These were Jesus' last recorded words before he ascended to heaven. They're significant. He is underlining our total dependency on the Holy Spirit to share our faith effectively. He was telling his disciples that they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, in the story I read earlier, Dr. Bright was absolutely correct when he underlined and argued that we need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to do that. And the power of the Holy Spirit is not a distraction from fulfilling the Great Commission. It is very much essential to fulfilling the Great Commission. Now, some time ago, uh, American newspapers reported that a man called Leslie Puckett, who was a resident of Glasgow, Kentucky, had struggled to start his car. Uh, He was really frustrated, so he finally got out of the car, lifted the bonnet, and discovered that somebody had stolen his engine. Now, if you are trying to share your faith without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be hard work. When we are constantly filled with the Holy Spirit and we are open to what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to say, we can see uh, wonderful breakthroughs into people's lives in remarkable ways. Now, it would be easy for me to keep speaking for another 10 minutes, and I'm sure hopefully it would be stimulated and, 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 and helpful, but I want to stop here. 
And I want us to pray, because rather than just knowing about the Holy Spirit or hearing somebody talk about the Holy Spirit, I do want us to encounter the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray very much the prayer of Acts 4.29, where the disciples were saying, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So can I invite you to stand, and we're just going to spend a few minutes just asking the Holy Spirit to come on us and uh, make the difference it made to those early disciples as well. So let's do that. Uh, If you're comfortable to do that, you might want to lift your hands. Maybe uh, you're not, but that's fine because the Holy Spirit is with us anyway. Uh, But let's pray for his presence. The band are going to play quietly in the background, but let's just spend some time waiting on God.